You are now entering the Mix You podcast. No credentials required. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode five of the Mix You podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here with my good friends Lee Fields and Andrew Stone. And we hey. are. Say hello, Andrew. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I can't match his, but whatever. People, uh, it's been one of those nights. It's, uh, this one's going to be a good one. Yeah. We're just really glad that you've decided to join us, and uh, we have a lot to talk about this episode, and so um, thanks for thanks for being a part of it. We Jeff, are, uh, yes. where, where are you at, Jeff? <laughs> I am currently in Orlando, Florida. I just finished a couple days worth of training at a conference down here, and coming to you live from my hotel room as we speak. So you're so, not, uh, just, just clarifying... Uh, for the this is a podcast you can't see this but so you, just to clarify you're not on the set of Boogie Nights because <laughs> just I'm not this particular hotel room though has some interesting decor mm. um, the, the did headboard, you pay by the hour or is that just a, it's a regular hotel <laughs> it's a regular it's actually on Disney property or mm. near, yeah it's, it's a it's it's a, a family it's official, facility it's a yeah family hotel um, so no no Boogie Nights here. The last time we made fun of your hotel, you were in Destin or Lower Alabama, and there was a Thomas Kincaid picture behind you. <laughs> this time, it looks like you're in Sin City, and you're about to get a massage in that room. <laughs> Neither of those things is true, but I appreciate the uh, sentiment. I There's a theme with him being in Florida when we're doing this. I wonder if that's part of the shtick. Yeah, here. No, no offense to our listeners in Florida, but... Y'all can have it. I'm sorry. Jeff, does Liz, your wife, listen to our podcast? Uh, (laughs) After today, definitely not. (laughs) Hey, so, uh, guys, we are going to start something new on the podcast. We don't know what we're going to call this yet, but here's what we're going to do. Earlier today, I'm at home right now, so I had a meeting with our executive pastor, and he casually just asked me, hey, have we been turning the volume up lately? I've been getting more than usual complaints. See, all of the handwritten complaints on the comment cards go directly to him. And I told him, no, actually, we've actually turned it down a little bit. So he hands me a stack. And when I say stack, I mean, it's a stack of uh, complaint cards just about volume that he's been collecting, I don't know, over a year or so. And the one hold that hold the first, he collects them? Yeah, he just keeps them. That's awesome. We'll save that for another episode. <laughs> Got it. Um, so he hands me one, and the first one I read is amazing. So I'm going to read this for you, and then we'll talk about what we're going to do. Here we go. My prayer request. <laughs> is this a nightclub or worship center? It would be nice to hear and understand the words. Two-thirds of your audience is over 40. The music only good for those on stage, not the audience. Pandering to the teenagers who don't give a dime. The screaming of the band is offensive and rude. Consider 50-50 split on the music. Why does it have to have a look like a concert with lights flashy in our eyes? Seriously. Hashtag turn down the damn music. (laughs) This is in a comment card that they actually would put in like the offering plate or something, right? 
Yeah, exactly. That's exactly where it goes. They it come in the offering plate, and then mm-hmm. our executive pastor gets handed these. So after I read this, we all had a good laugh about it. I mean, it's pretty funny. And of course, they don't sign their name to these. So here's what we're going to do. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have watched uh, Jimmy Kimmel before, but he does a feature, and he has celebrities read mean tweets about them. So you'll have you know, say Kobe Bryant reading tweets that someone wrote about Kobe, and it's really funny. So here's what we're going to do. We need all of you to send in your best, funniest, most offensive complaints about audio to us, and then we are going to read them on the podcast and then read them on social media via video. These need to be real, <laughs> legit complaints that you've gotten from members of your church. So Exactly. Sister so-and-so, who has a handwritten note telling you how terrible it sounds, that's what we want to hear. Because your uh, complaints might actually get featured on the MixU social media feed. So email those complaints and comments to info at mxu.rocks, and we will have a ball filtering through all the gold. Dude, even a a scan or a quick picture of the actual offering envelope it was scrawled on would be amazing that would be the best ever and then uh we'll print those out or attach a picture and we're gonna read them to the internet and it's gonna be awesome so i have a couple comments (laughs) about your uh actual complaint lee yeah did he say the youth don't give a dime or don't give a damn (laughs) he said dime (laughs) and he wrote this in pink at the end what was his last line his last line was hashtag turn down the damn music. <laughs> I'm serious. There's a hashtag. But the whole thing's written in pink. I'm pretty sure it's a female, but it's California. Who knows? I don't, it's Let me tell sick. you something. That person felt so satisfied when they wrote damn on there. Like, that's going <laughs> to that's gonna show them. We're going to put this in the offering plate. A curse word. <laughs> this is awesome. What's funny the other thing that's funny to me about it is that when he says more than half of your church is over 40, do they realize that 40 years ago was actually 1977? <laughs> right. Rock and roll was not a new thing in 1977. No. It's not like they were born in the 30s or something. No, but those people know who Keith Moon is and John Bonham. <laughs> All right. So that's, that's our that's newest good. project. So take a snapshot, a screenshot some picture of your comment cards, email them to info at mixu.rocks and we will feature them in any way that we possibly can. Yeah. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to rock. Stone, tell us what uh, events we got coming up next. Okay, man, it's awesome. We got three more uh, MixU events coming up this year. It's going to rock. we're pending is uh Washington DC. We we're excited. We figured out how to get on the East Coast, man. That's the 26th of September at uh Metro Church. Um it's going to rock. That's going to be a good day. A lot of people are going to show up. We've got uh let's see that's the one with the Adamson rig going to be in the house. That's right. We're going to yeah. have an Adamson yep. PA, a couple of surprises throughout yep. the day. You guys are not going to want to miss that experience because it's going to be awesome. If you're, Jared uh, Kushner's coming. Say that again? Jared Kushner, he's, he said he was coming. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. So anyway, if you're if you're in the area, anywhere around there, God. if you're anywhere <laughs> around there, uh, you can jump on our website, um, mxu.rocks, and it'll take you right there. You can get info about it. Then we've got um, 
uh, we're in Dallas uh, just a couple weeks after that on the 9th of October. And that's uh, we're kicking off uh, WFX week. Um, what better way to kick off WFX week than to come rock with us at a mix you in Dallas. So that's it. Uh, so Watermark if you're coming to WFX, if you're coming anyway, do yourself a favor, come a day early, hang out with us because I promise you will walk away with not only useful information, but you'll start the week with some brand new connections, yeah. people that you can network with people that you haven't met before that you're going we've, to love. We've had a lot of great luck doing uh, some of these mixed shoes on these on event weeks when people are coming into town for a conference anyway. It's it's a really cool way to get in a room with 150, 200 of your closest friends and really rock some cool audio. So anyway, so that, again, that's on our website. That's at uh, uh, Watermark has a really cool campus up in Plano that's easy to get in and out of and – that is true to be a, a good day. Then we're wrapping up the year of our events in Nashville, which is cool, on the seventh of November, um, and we're at Soundcheck. They've got they've got a big room, big rehearsal space there. It's the biggest room they've got, and we're gonna rock it all day. Um, Stone, uh, why don't you explain what Soundcheck is for yeah. people who don't know what that place is? Soundcheck for those not in Nashville. Soundcheck is a huge rehearsal facility. Um, you've heard of a lot of people have heard of in LA and New York of SIR places like that, where you can go rent a room and record or rent a, a room and rehearse and, and all that. Uh, Soundcheck is a place that's been in Nashville for gosh, I don't know, 25 years or so. And it's just big, all different sizes and variations of rehearsal spaces. Some of them are big enough to set up your entire tour in rig, do all your PA, your lights, stage, everything. So it's a really cool, neutral venue. It's not a church. And, uh, man, we've got Morris is sponsoring us there. And so we're teaming up with them and their guys. And they're bringing in video, PA, some lights. I mean, it's it's uh, it's going to be a cool and good way to end the year. So, again, that's and on our website, cool. too. Soundcheck's cool because there are offices inside of Soundcheck. So, like, sure, Microphones has an office in there. Yeah. Meyer has an office in there. Uh there's just all kinds of cool stuff in there. The first time my wife ever came to Soundcheck to see a rehearsal when I was on tour, she met Al Gore and Bon Jovi in the same day. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's a it's one of those places like when you go into it, you're just kind of amazed at all the different people that run through there. They've also got a pretty much most of the touring bands in Nashville have storage lockers at Soundcheck. If you go walk around through some of the storage areas, you can see every set from like the Peter Gabriel set with the moving runway and the phone booth he did on secret world and all just everything you can think of is like, Oh, hold it. I saw that set with Pink Floyd. Hey, I saw that set with Bon Jovi. It's a cool space. So we thought what a great place to have a, have a mix you and, and rocket there. So anyway, you might check all those out. They're all on our site and we're excited about them. It's a, it's a great day. It's a day that we, well, what the three of us said, when we quit having a good time at them, we'll quit doing them. So that ain't happening anytime ain't soon. Ain't happening. So not anytime soon. That's right. Hey, something else. I'm going to go backwards a little bit. We haven't talked much about this, but the week of WFX, the first night the show opens Wednesday, we're going to throw a party Wednesday night. So after dinner, keep your calendars clear. More details to come, but there will be 
a mix you after party at WFX in downtown Dallas. If you can't get your week kicked off right with this stuff, then you're probably dead. So yeah, you should quit your job. You should just quit in your life. That's right. So, okay. Uh, Lee. Yeah. You ordered a bunch of stuff. I did. You ordered some stuff. Tell us what's going on out there. Yeah. I, uh, in route right now from our friends at Mike is a bucket of microphone capsules. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, me and Aaron, our audio engineer out here, Aaron Padilla, the one and only we decided, um, We've been using KSM-9s for a long time, and hey, they're awesome. And they're <laughs> going to be a part of this shootout, so I'm not in any way looking to replace that. However, we've done a couple things different with vocals uh, recently, and it's caused me to rethink our approach. So I just want to go back to square one and uh, just make sure we're making the best choices. So we got a big old LED wall upstage, like a lot of churches do now. Our drums got pushed further downstage because of that. And then at the same time, I totally changed my approach to vocals based on a concert I went to four or five months ago and heard just some killer vocals from Chris Greeley who mixes for Bethel. That guy's really, really good. And it was multiple compressors stacked on top of each other and some things he was doing with EQ that I, I totally just wanted to copy that. So I did. The problem with that was more compression, more drum bleed, brighter vocals, more cymbal bleed. So a lot of that stuff's going on. So Mm. We've got a bunch of Sure capsules at the church, so I've been playing with KSM-8 and Beta-58, but then I really wanted to try a lot of other stuff. So, in route right now, I'll just list off for you everything I got. A Telefunken M80, an Earthworks WL-40, a DPA-4018, that's the de facto supercardioid, and then uh, another de facto supercardioid linear so it's got a different top end on it. A Neumann 105 and a Neumann 205 and the adapters. Because now, I don't know if you guys knew this, you can get the Neumann capsule on a Sure stick now. Did you guys know that? I did so there know you that. Go. So um, the adapters and all that stuff are coming. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a vocal mic shootout, basically. So I'm going to have one of our guys sing into the, each microphone a chorus of the same song. And then we're going to do a drum bleed test. So I'll set all the mics up kind of close together, but not so they interact with each other and then record drums and then get those wave files and go back and listen and see which ones have the best response. It's cool. See which ones the guys have uh, the best luck in their ears with their own vocal and things like that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I got the capsules for two weeks cause I'm in town for the next two weeks. And then uh, it gets crazy for a little bit after that. So yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. So we'll use a lot of these stems at the mix you. So I'll be able to show um, in real context, how that stuff interacts with each other. And then we're going to use the stuff on the weekends too. And I have a feeling we may be doing some microphone changes or maybe not, who knows, but it'll be a lot of fun. And we talked about maybe posting some of this stuff online. So you guys can see it all. Dude, it's going to blow your mind. This is going to be awesome. That's can't awesome. Wait. I, yeah. I cannot wait to hear the results and I can't wait for the guys who come to mix you to hear a test like that. Cause that's a real world in context, not just, a blurb on a website, but it's actually a real test of kind of the Pepsi challenge, which is going to be really cool to see the results of. Yeah, it's really cool. And I'm renting all that stuff. So we're, I didn't buy it all. Like who would go out and buy all that stuff. Right. So the great thing about 
companies that rent those microphones is you can get that stuff for a week or two at a time and spend just a couple hundred dollars or even less. I mean, you're talking, you know, each microphone capsule, it being about a tenth to rent what it is to buy it. So you can go and get four, five, six, even two, or just try one and and test that stuff out. Because like Guitar Center, if you go buy a microphone, there's no return policy on that stuff because <laughs> you're spitting all over it. So like you're done. So doing it this way is really cool. And the other thing I added two other microphones to this is the uh the mojave for the drum overheads uh-oh Bring somebody's, it on, bro. somebody's been listening to the mix you podcast yeah yeah every episode mojave where's your sponsorship money send Come it on, bro <laughs> <laughs> none of those were paid posts but they should have been yeah i'm glad you listened to our own podcast though, and actually you know took some hints and tried to improve yeah, yourself I, that's good i do i do listen to it because i have to edit it do, have you listened to it yet well i i had a I had a guy that works for me listen to it, and he said it was great. And I just oh, that's said, awesome. So I just passed that comment along to you and kind of oh, that's, lied to you, basically. That's yours. Yours wonderful. I love you. <laughs> well, guys, I think it might be time for the soapbox. Oh, here we go. Who's it going to be today? I'm so excited what it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I got to admit. Um, we went kind of fishing for a soapbox topic, and it was a little harder to find on Church Sound Media Techs. I think people have been listening and adhering to our <laughs> scolding tone. because Your scolding tone. Like, uh, I, yeah, I think more than true. a tone, it was kind of a full-on admonishment. It was, yeah, it was an admonition for sure. I've been, I've been called Cersei Lannister before, but... You know, uh, that's for all you Game of Thrones fans. I don't listen to that. It's a horrible show. People that go to church shouldn't watch Game of Thrones. Good save. So I think it's my turn. This isn't really a soapbox about the post itself. It's a bit of a soapbox about the responses to the post. So I just happen to be scrolling through our favorite Facebook group. Here's a guy who's really trying to look for some advice. He says in his post, the answer to this question can't be never that's not really an option so without saying never when are electric drums the better answer in a live setting so so far there are 86 comments of course many of the comments actually say never so it's like okay guys are you serious did you not even read the post the guy's trying to get help and you're just saying nope Sorry, you got the wrong idea. Never is the answer to your problem. I'm like, all right. So that's Captain Unhelpful right there. Um, and then there's some, some guys are trying to be helpful, but most of it is just opinion about whether or not electronic drums are ever okay. So I just, it's just frustrating. You know, we try to be helpful around here and we try to give people, you know, wisdom based on our experience or maybe a new way of thinking about something. And so we just, I wanted to get your thoughts on how can we make this guy's be a helpful voice in this conversation? Because the fact is the three of us all love drums. And I think if we had our druthers, of course we would have a rockin' live acoustic kit with no shield every time. But there are circumstances where that's just not practical. So let's try to give our Facebook brethren some help and maybe have a more intelligent version of this conversation. I think like, you know, for the average guy who's posting on, on the internet, and let's take this one for example, you know, it's 35,000 something people on there. 
there aren't 35,000 full-time church technical employees. So, you know, that we're only the one percenters who do this full-time and have been lucky enough to be able to call ministry a career, right? Mm. You know, for a guy like that, he's legit coming through there trying to not filter through noise. That's that's exactly what he's asking for. And I feel like there's just guys sitting around waiting to pounce, not really pounce on it. It's probably not, um, they're not negative to the core, like what they're trying to do, but it's just not helpful. And the whole point of forums or Facebook groups or anything like that is these people actually genuinely want help, right? Like this may sound like a rabbit trail, but it, it really won't be. Yesterday I'm on uh, looking at Instagram and this guy I follow it pops up that he's uh, doing a live feed and he's a hunter. And I've been slowly trying to get back into hunting. I used to when I was a kid, but things are so different now and living out here, it's a lot different than it was in Tennessee. And the, the animal this guy hunts, he's a professional hunter. So I type in a question on the Instagram live feed and I'm, and I catch myself, I'm reluctant to ask it because I know it's a total noob question. And I'm like, is this guy going to think I'm an idiot? Like this is a really it, like uh, rudimentary question. And then I just let it sit there for like a minute before I hit send because I felt a bit insecure in my own ability in the topic. And then finally I was like, okay, send it. And I hit send but I, I, then I got even more nervous. Like, is he going to read it? What's he going to say? Is he going to tell me I'm an idiot and I should never do this again? I think 99% of the people posting on Facebook about church technical questions feel the same way. So when other people come on there and just um, do the exact opposite, it would be like my worst fear happening to my guy I follow the hunter, right? It would be your worst nightmare coming true. Hey, Lee Fields, you're an idiot. Don't ever do this. Like, give it up That's if good. you don't know the answer to that. That's what we're doing to these people when we you know, double down on what they're not asking for or give advice that's not helpful at all in the first place. Well, Lee, that that is a great analogy because I think your feeling about the hunter is exactly what a lot of people who are volunteers who are just trying to get good advice feel when they put themselves out there like that. And so, you know, not to totally berate the question because I think there are times where, you know, a full-blown acoustic kit without a shield is just not a viable option. So what can we give this guy from our experience that might be actually helpful um, that can kind of maybe sort of clear the air and filter through some of the noise to provide some tips that might be helpful? Yeah. So let me give you one example of how we are actually currently using electric drums in two settings. So um, our staff meeting room is a room of about 300 people and our adventure campus, a church we just merged with, I've told some stories about them before, and volume, and uh, two of their services being the majority of the crowd, senior citizens, and oxygen tanks and wheelchairs, right? So that service, we started um, with an acoustic drum kit, and it's pretty loud in there. And when you have acoustic drums, they're really the difference that you need to get the PA over the just the sound off the stage is about 6 dB before you start hiding the drum sound. Well, the drums are 87, 86 dB in there. So that by the time it was like 92, it was too loud for the church. So what we decided to do in that room, which we were doing in staff meeting already because we liked the vibe, is we ditched the acoustic kit and the drummers are playing the SPDX. It's a small drum pad with 10 or 12 uh, pads on it and you can program those. So we're doing the same songs just with 
um, maybe an acoustic guitar. The electric guitar is playing more of a pad, synthy guitar stuff. If you guys have listened to the band Tycho before, it's almost like hipster spa music. So the percussion stuff is a lot of that. It's the drums are more round. Uh, they're electronic drum sounds, but they're not like uh, the transients aren't that pronounced. Like just go listen to Tycho and just hit play. And that's really what the drum kit sounds like. And people love it. The volume's a lot lower, and you can have a nice full sound, honestly, at around 89, 90 dB, because it's really easy to get the vocals to cut through that way. So that's how we use it. And Stone, you had a great example of a church in Texas doing this. Yeah, man. There's a, a church I've worked with for a couple of years on and off doing some stuff, and they have uh, – their church, they didn't start out to be multi, multi-campus multi and all that stuff. It was just – they were started taking over some of these smaller churches that were kind of dying and so all of a sudden they've got these churches in these uh, mostly rural areas, maybe 10 or 12 campuses. And they're trying to figure out, man, how do we do, you know, stuff a lot of us have spent a lot of money and time figuring out. Every venue is an, an inherited venue. It could be an old, what was an old Lutheran church. And they're trying to do music like what you guys described for uh, in a little town of 12, 15,000 people. They're not going to deal with a hundred dB mix or something. So, Going around to some of their campuses, some of their large ones, and then some of their smaller ones. Uh, some of them are like, yeah, full on, full on drum kit. Some are in a cage. Some are out on the stage. It just depends on the venue. Well, they've got several campuses that have electronic drums. I think they were rolling V drums, very traditional looking electronic drums. Um, but I'll tell you, growing up most of my life being a drummer, V drums feel really great. Like a drummer, it feels like a drum head. It responds like a drum head. Man, I'm not going to tell you that you walk in there and go, oh, this is going to be the best sounding drum thing you've ever put together. But you know what? I went in there. We tuned the rooms. We got got the band in there and started getting stuff together. The rooms sound great. The drums sound great. It's full kick sounds. It's all samples that are professional samples. They sound good. The cymbals, these companies have got this crap figured out. This isn't like old Simmons drum pads from the eighties, Jeff. That's I remember you those. And I. Yeah. yeah, red. You know, <laughs> uh, whatever shape they were, but these are like real sounding stuff. And I was, I thought the mixes sounded good. And I was like, man, you guys are cool. And it's what you said, Lee. Like you're sitting there doing a full mix at eighty four, eighty five dB. Everyone with an oxygen tank can handle whether they write the comment to you you know, as damn in it or not, the, uh, <laughs> it's all, it works. And so, you know, when I hear those comments, I hear the comments on the Facebook posts and stuff and the guys that are just trying to be cool and saying never, man, use your brain. Like I remember I did a recording years and years ago. It was one of the best sounding kick drums I ever got with a 58 and I laid it in the drum those are the same guys that would go, never do that. You can't do that with a 58. Watch me. Just go do it. I encourage the guy who wrote this. Put the electronic drums out there. Spend some time learning how they work. Get them sounding good. You have so many options in an electronic drum brain. You can select, you know, Lee, you were talking about all the vocal mics. You can select, and just in the Roland, and I'm sure all the brands have them, you can select what kind of drum mic, what kind of drum head. Do you want it mic'd over, under, in? You can adjust the EQ. You can do all this crazy stuff on the actual module 
and then just spit it out ready to go. You, you have so many options. I think that most of the people that have negative responses to that are just being juvenile. Well, I think, I think the other thing is, you know, they're, they're responding to their, they're, they're responding based on their preference. Well, sure. Taste. I think yeah. all I think all of our taste would be to default toward the best possible live acoustic kit we could get, but hundred percent. If that's not an option, that's all we're saying. So yeah, th- there are right. other great options too. You could do a hybrid setup where maybe you have um, electronic drums with real cymbals. If your cymbal samples don't have the right kind of natural decay, um, you can maybe integrate a live crash cymbal or a live ride cymbal to kind of compensate for some of those deficiencies there's a great option from a buddy of ours joey parish he makes he makes drums that are designed to be sort of a a kit to answer this very question where it's it's more of like a percussion setup and you you play with blastics or rods but there's a kick and a snare and a tom and it's it's drums but it's it's a modified approach because for him he needed a kit that he could fly with and to be underweight and undersized for an airplane. So he made started making these drums, and they ended up sounding great. So now he's selling them. So, you know, parishdrumdesigns.com is a great resource, P-A-R-R-I-S-H, for those of you who want to check it out. So the point is there are really good solutions that can be super practical and fit your context in a way that doesn't have to get into all this back and forth about 95 different opinions about how never is the right answer to this question. So soapbox ended. Well done. Drop your mic. Oh, wait, you can't. You're wearing it. <laughs> yeah. uh, what was the way you described the Tycho music, Lee? It was um, it's spa. Like hip, hipster, hipster spa, spa coffee shop. Yeah, music. I think that's what's playing in his hotel room right now. Just the way it looks. <laughs> Your, awesome. your turn down service they come in there and put it on the uh, bose wave yeah, radio yeah. for you exactly great <laughs> so let's uh this has been great we've got an awesome interview set up here we're gonna we're gonna i'm so excited about this dude i was looking forward to this one uh, for a while when we when we got him on the on the hook to do this but we interviewed uh ken van druten who you may know as pooch this guy uh is an icon of of front of house mixing monitor stuff. He's recorded some records he has mixed for uh, I'm just going to throw out a few here, a band. I don't know if anybody's heard of called kiss. Um, <laughs> there's also another one. Uh, I think you've heard these, this band Lee Motley crew. I think we feel we've, good, baby. Dr. Feel good. Um, <laughs> he just got done uh, doing like five bazillion countries all over the world with Justin Bieber Katy Perry, uh, uh, a Pantera, band, Pantera, Lincoln Park. Um, we even uh, Jay Z, dude. Even play even groups like uh, Ted Nugent. I mean, give me a break. Oh, Who's got that on their resume? On. It's awesome. Anyway, so man, we he was so gracious, awesome dude, great hang. We really enjoyed talking to him. So. We're uh, we're eager to get into this. And let you guys hear kind of how our conversation got going. So let's uh, let's rock with some pooch. Mix you interview Ken Pooch Van Druten, Part One. 
This guy's list of mixing credentials is longer than the menu at the Cheesecake Factory. Let's go. Pooch, thanks so much for jumping on this podcast with us this week, man. So privileged to have you jump in here with us and be part of our conversation as we uh, just kind of bat around some topics and kind of see where we land. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, this is uh, this is great. Um, man, just getting familiar with the rather lengthy list of uh, people that you've mixed <laughs> and recordings you've done and, and touring all that, it's, uh, it's quite a list. In fact, I would dare say uh, almost all of these tours that you you did uh, were a big part of my uh, 80s and 90s and, and <laughs> kind of focusing on the stuff that I like to listen to. So this is pretty cool that you're with us today. Absolutely. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. And I appreciate it. You've, uh, it's, it's lucky that we've got you. You've got some, got some downtime between tours and all that. This is, uh, we had a little bit of banter, you know, before we started recording just about, you know, looking at some of the, some of the bands you've mixed are, uh, the kind of bands that are known for pretty rock and volume. Like, you know, let's, uh, what, you, don't like go, you don't go to a kiss show to, uh, you know, <laughs> enjoy the wine and cheese crowd. You know? no, you a, uh, you're definitely going to go there to rock a little bit, but, but you know, it's interesting that you have, uh, you've got quite a bit of experience in, in helping out churches too. I mean, that's a really yeah. vast difference here on just how to mix. And I think there's something in there and just uh, maybe start tackling like, man, the volume thing. It's a big deal. You know, volume at a concert, volume at a church, that kind of thing. Wait, before, before you get cracking in there, like I think a lot of our listeners probably uh, – get a little too happy when they hear these crazy numbers. So like, what's the loudest band you've ever oh, yeah. mixed? <laughs> uh, uh, I would say probably Pantera. Uh, I didn't mix front of house for Pantera. I mixed monitors. Um, and the on stage volume um, for monitors for Pantera was ridiculous. Um, so it was all, it, it all sounded, wedges. It sounded amazing. Like on stage, it sounded like, standing two feet away from a huge club PA on stunt <laughs> is what it sounded like. And there was little pockets, no, little pockets on stage, uh, you know, one for dime and one for, you know, Rex and one, you know, each guy had kind of their own little pocket. And in that pocket was, I mean, it sounded amazing, but I wouldn't want to stand there for 90 minutes. You know, I, I would stand up there for sound check just to get my mixes together and, you know, after standing there for a minute and a half, I'm like, I got to go, man. It's so loud. <laughs> Run away out of the death yeah. zone. Yeah. Uh, so I think Pantera, but um, Kiss, a close second. I mean, you know, Kiss is um, one of those bands where uh, everything is more important than sound. Um, you know, if stuff, if stuff is blowing up <laughs> and all the, the gags are working, as long as it's louder than hell... Uh, yeah, then, then you're doing your job at Kiss, you know. Um, uh, in, in fact, there's a story. Uh, uh, one of the first nights that I worked for Kiss, um, Gene Simmons, uh, the bass player, asked me to come backstage, and so I get a call on the radio, and the production manager says to me, you know, uh, uh, Patrick Whitley says to me, uh, 
I need you to come backstage. Dean Simmons wants to see you. And I, this was like the second night that I'd ever worked for Kiss. And I was like, oh, I'm so fired. I'm so done. <laughs> um, and uh, so anyway, I walk, I walk into the dressing room and uh, Gene Simmons is standing there in his robe. And he says, so uh, you're our new sound guy. And I said, yep. And uh, he said, uh, I just wanted to thank you. Um, we have sold the most Kiss endorsed uh, earplugs in the last two nights than we ever have. <laughs> and, I, and I said, Gene, I don't know how to take that, man. That means you sold more earplugs because of me. Does that mean it sounds bad? You know, but no, he was all happy that I sold a bunch of earplugs. That's funny. This hey, is awesome. Dude, merch wins. Merch wins every time. Of course. Our, our last podcast episode, we were all upset of how many earplugs we've had to pass out before <laughs> oh, yeah. at church. And this is the complete opposite of that. That's perfect. That's awesome. Those guys so are the ultimate, they're the ultimate in selling everything. You know, they sell kiss coffins. There's people that are buried in kiss coffins. Yeah. You know? uh, Let me tell you something though, man. They the merch sells, dude. I mean, oh, it's yeah. it's evergreen. It always sells. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, maybe we should uh, maybe we should suggest that guys for the whole uh, <laughs> the whole earplug trick. Like, let's actually get I thought you were to say endorse the earplugs. Coffins. Yeah, church endorsed earplugs. <laughs> we could do mix you earplugs, mix you coffins. We've got yeah. something there. Yeah, that could work. <laughs> there you go. Well, that, but does, that's a, that does bring up though an interesting kind of it's two sides of the same coin. We joked about it you know, last week when we, or last time when we talked about it, but there is this thing, especially with young guys where they're just, the attitude is, Hey, this is modern music. This is what people would listen to in a concert. So I'm just going to turn it up. And so last time we talked about how to make wise choices around that, but I think you're, you're a great person to kind of speak into this because, you know, you've been on the side of the loudest music there is. Right. And <laughs> You know, you've gone into churches and have had to have had to really encourage guys around the idea of not just turning it down, but how you make choices about loudness. And so just talk for a minute about like what that process is and how, you know, instead of just looking at a number on a dB meter, because that's what somebody's walking around with a meter that says, oh, guys, this is way too loud. You know, my my phone that hasn't been calibrated ever <laughs> says that this is 115. That's dangerous yeah. versus yeah, yeah. you have a calibrated meter, but even that it's like, I don't want people to look at a number. I want people to have a feel for like what they're feeling in the room and what, you know, what too loud, you know, feels like in their head and what to, you know, how to get energy without just blowing people out of the water. So, yeah, I mean, this is a great conversation. It's um, so, there's measured loudness and there's perceived loudness and they are two completely different things. Um, you, you know, nowadays in the touring world, um, there are a lot of places that are, uh, you know, they have really big restrictions on measured loudness. Um, and so uh, I have shown up in a bunch of places where uh, the guy's looking at his meter and it says 98 dB a weighted in front of house, but it's, Feel I'm louder than any other band. And he's totally confused about that. He's like, what is going on? This guy is like, it seems like he's twice as loud as some of the other bands, yet the measured loudness of it is, you know, within the range of whatever, whatever it is. So there's a real art to perceived loudness versus um, measured loudness. And 
the real key to it in, in my world is dynamics. So what everybody has forgotten about <laughs> was uh, back in the day, uh, there used to be dynamics in recordings. Um, you know, before uh, Waves made the L2 and the L3 uh, plugin that completely destroyed dynamics and caused this whole uh, battle in the recording world of, um, you know, how can we get this to, you know, uh, the loudest possible thing before a clip? Uh, because we want our our music to sound bigger on the radio than the other music. You know, th this was a whole war that happened uh, many years ago. Um, before that, there was a lot of dynamics in music. If you go back and you listen to anything from, you know, pre-1985, you'll discover in all of those recordings, there are, you know, tons of, of dynamics going on. Well, so um, how do we achieve that live? For me... Um, I, I use the tools of um, squashing that is kind of the sound of today. Um, so there's, uh, you know, uh, an L2 uh, plugin, for example, is a, is a look ahead plugin that decides when it sees a peak, it decides when to expand and when to compress. Um, and so it kind of keeps your levels at a, at a, um, a standard kind of, of level. Um, and it is the sound of what records are today. But within that, I actually do a bunch of um, master bus manipulation. Um, if there's a major part of a song that has impact and has feel, I'll actually push a master fader um, quickly to 5 dB plus 5 for that moment. Uh, and then bring it, tuck it back into zero. Um, or... Um, uh, I do this a lot where there's a, a quiet, kind of a quiet moment, um, and I will uh, bring it so far down that you can almost feel the audience kind of leaning forward to try to hear what's going on. And then when, when you get into the hard impact of whatever comes next, you know, I nail them with like a plus three on the, on the master bus. So I do, I do quite a bit of dynamic manipulation to get the perceived loudness um, bigger, if that makes sense. I do that because I grew up listening to music that had dynamics. Um, I, I truly believe there are engineers now that are replicating what they know, and what they know is music that does not have dynamics in it. Um, and so when I go to a show and I, uh, or, or even um, go to a church service, and the, for 90 minutes, it is this volume, you know, and there's no chance for ear breaks and there is nothing where it's, uh, you know, a low moment in what's going on. It's just 90 minutes of, you know, 102 DBA weighted or even more, 104 DBA weighted. The human ear just doesn't, you know, it can't handle that. It doesn't like it. Uh, and you actually make people angry when you do that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's so good. I was in so a church, I, uh, just yeah, on that yeah. point, I was in a church a couple of weeks ago, and the front of house guy is a guy that I know, and afterwards he asked me as I walked out, he said, man, I'd love to get your thoughts on on how it felt and what you think. And I said, man, the the tonality was fine and the balances were good, but honestly, I felt like I was just bombarded yes. for, for 15 minutes while you guys were playing. And I think you're exactly right. I think 
you know, there's this trend, obviously, with loudness wars, but then we have a huge opportunity, especially with worship music, because there are these sort of ebbs and flows that we need to, we need to take advantage of the, dynam- the dynamic range when it's there, because we have the opportunity to let it breathe and to give people a break and to use the, the musicality to make those emotional moves along with the music. And I don't think enough people are aware of that. No, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, there, there's guys that just, they don't think about that. They just mix it a solid level for a long time. And this even goes as far as, especially in worship music, I don't, you know, I don't want to go down a whole nether rabbit hole, but there's a rabbit hole of what's more important, your job as an engineer or your job as um, dealing with people and communication that you have with the people. So, especially the reason I say that is especially in churches, when you are the front of house guy that's is there every Sunday, your communication with the, the worship pastor and the, uh, the, the same musicians that come through there um, should be take on the role of almost being a producer. And those are, are things that you should be discussing with your worship pastor. You should be saying, Hey, Let's give them, you've been playing a solid, you know, seven minutes here of a, of a song. Let's give them an ear break, play an acoustic number after it, and even discuss those kind of things. And I, I am uh, a proponent of, of not being afraid to say that to somebody. Say, you know, hey, listen, my job is the sound guy. And part of that is to make sure that the listening experience is, is excellent so let's discuss, you know, what you're talking about doing with your, your set list here. You're, you're talking about putting six songs in a row, worship songs that are 104 DBA weighted in a row here. People are, you know, especially older people are going to go, ah, get me out of here. And they're going to end up in the lobby. Um, so, um, you know, the, those, are, those are things that you should be discussing with, with your guys. You know, I, I tell people all the time in worship, don't be afraid, even if you're just a volunteer as the sound guy or whatever, don't be afraid to go talk to um, whoever's in charge of the music and have discussions yeah. like that, you know? That's good. That's good. You can actually be a, you can be a producer and be in the booth and be at, be at the console and be a producer, be on the That's production true. side. You can actually say, well, we, we tell our guys here, like, if you don't speak up, if you don't say anything, you're not doing the job we're paying you to do. Or if you're 100%. a volunteer, hundred percent. Maybe you're not getting paid. You're not. You're not going to be able to sit in the seat very long if you're going to sit there with your arms crossed and just deal with it. Those guys on stage are in the worst place to make a decision like that. So how are For they sure. not going to know if you don't tell them? I mean, this is this is huge. Man. But Empowering. I think another, another key component though is that the guy sitting in the in the seat has to have musical sensibility in the first place and some perspective to go, okay, what are good musical choices and what, what do I envision this thing sounding like in the first place? So instead of just, Hey, nothing's broken. And you know, this sort of set and forget mentality, you know, mixing is an active pursuit and just writing that along with the band. It's like, you've got to have a musical sense uh, first for sure. I totally agree with that. Um, but, but even taking it one step further, I tell people the secret to my success, honestly, I'll tell you, is not my skills as a mixer. 
the secret to my success is the ability to be able to walk into a room full of crazy people and be able to communicate with them because wow. musicians are crazy. <laughs> they, they're artists and they have an askewed look on life, even in worship. You know, the guys that are, are, are in worship are uh, having a skewed oh. musicians look on also called crazy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also called crazy. So, um, you know, I always tell people, I, I, I say I have been lucky and put into the situations that I've been put into, but really the, the, before I even got to show any of my skills, uh, as a mixer was the ability to walk into a, a room, talk to a musician, a worship pastor, and and communicate with them, understand what their needs are, interpret those needs, and then do what I need to do to make that happen. Um, and so uh, it, I tell people, you know, hey, you want to succeed as a mixer? Then study people skills, you know, study how, how to communicate, you know, get, get books on how to communicate with people. It's really, it's that simple. Dude, that is huge. Being a communicator from the booth, being That's a communicator true. from front of house. So I actually made it through college way back when some of the classes that I liked the best were the communication classes. Now I'm always up for a good argument. So I liked the, you know, yeah, right. just debating people about stupid stuff that you knew was just going to send them nuts but i liked uh, what you know which is awesome but uh being able to learn how to communicate better and being able to effectively communicate your point that is huge that you said that i've always thought that was such a a great thing for someone in production specifically at front of house specifically for like a monitor engineer oh, come on come dude on. You, you gotta got to be able to talk to the guy, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, how is that going to work if you can't communicate with him? That's right. I tell our guys that the best monitor guys in the world could also be psychologists. Hundred percent. Absolutely. Hundred percent true. Yeah. And you've got to know. You've got to know what they, what every single person on that stage went through uh, before they walked up there, because that's going to determine the performance they're going to give you. Even like not only what the what happened to them before they get on stage but if you think about it and you've got a guy girl in an arena in a church whatever thousands of people staring at them and the whole thing's on them and it, i don't feel like any monitor guy in the world will ever know what it feels like to stand behind that microphone and we really shouldn't but our role is direct directly related to how they feel also and then trying to support them the insecurities you know all of that stuff it's not just about well, I turned his vocal up. I don't know what the problem is. It's so much deeper than that with monitors, right? It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm a front of house guy. I've mixed monitors uh, in my career, um, but I don't like that end of the snake. I like being as far away from crazy as possible. Uh, I can communicate with crazy, but I don't want to be there all night long, you know, which is what a monitor guy you know? But yeah. I think that's a great point for church guys, especially is, you know, we... We, we have no idea what these guys are carrying and the weight of the responsibility that they feel. I mean, it's one thing for an artist who has been singing, you know, their hits for years and they're going out to sing their hits again. But we've got some, you know, volunteer musicians who are trying to remember the words to these songs and trying to do the best they can to, you know, communicate the gospel and to, you know, lead people you know, toward 
where God wants them to be in that moment. And, you know, that's another whole level of pressure that they're feeling, I'm sure. And so, you know, for sure. us, for us to have the audacity to just go, eh, they're all right, but whatever. I'm just here to twist knobs and push faders. It's like, man, not on my watch. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, you know, some of the most talented artists that I've worked with ever are some of the guys that have the, the most, um, uh, you know, they don't, they don't believe in themselves the, the most, you know, everybody else around them knows that they're this amazing singer, but they don't, you they're know, so insecure, and so, right. Yeah. So insecure. And so, uh, you know, I can't tell you, it's, I mean, literally some of the best guys that I've worked with, I've had to say things to them like, dude, you're, you're so-and-so, what are you talking about? You're like one of the best singers on the planet and you're you're asking me if uh you know how, how was i any good was it you know she's super insecure and so you know musicians are like that and so you're, you're absolutely right as a monitor guy like feeling out what they're doing i like to um my most of the artists that i work for <laughs> uh i i need interaction um with them uh and i i speak to them about that like Hey, I know maybe you want um, your space a little bit right before you go on stage, but would you mind if I checked in with you two hours before the show or whatever? Because I want to walk into a dressing room and kind of feel the vibe and see where stuff's at. I can take that information and feed it to the monitor engineer, like, you know, hey, the player's having a really rough night, you know, so kind of give him a, you know, a big hug when he comes up or, you know, whatever. And those are all things because we're all here to help them, you know, that's why we're here. Wow, what a great start to our interview with Pooch. I love how he was able to continue our conversation about loudness. You know, we've talked about that a lot lately. And so the difference between you know, actual loudness and perceived loudness and how much that continues to be just an ongoing topic of conversation. I think it's it's cool just to get different perspectives on that. So in our next episode, we're going to hear again from Pooch, and he's going to talk more about studio stories and just opportunities that he was able to get over the years just by being available and being in the right place at the right time. And I think that's a huge lesson for us as church guys, too, of just our heart toward uh, just being available for what God has for us. And so we're going to hear some more from Pooch about just his circumstances and opportunities. And we're just excited for you to hear the rest of that conversation. So tune in next time for that. Um, meanwhile, Lee, why don't you fill us in on our uh, upcoming Mix You events and how people can get uh, plugged into what we're doing? Yeah, speaking of being at the right place at the right time, I mean, all church tech guys know when to be in the green room when the barbecue gets there at the right time, right? So Absolutely. <laughs> there's there's that. <clears throat> Especially in Tulsa when they have Burnco barbecue in the green room. Oh, yeah. All right. So here's what we got, folks. You heard it once at the beginning. We're going to hit it again. We would love for you to share this on social media, tag people, and don't come to these alone. If you're already signed up for one of these events, the worst thing you can do is come alone. We want you to be able to leave these events and be able to have actual impact in your ministries. And usually the more people you bring, the higher your chances go up of that actually happening. So here we go. Washington, D.C., September 26th, Metro Church, Dallas, Texas, October 9th at Watermark Plano and Nash Vegas, November 7th at the world famous Soundcheck Rehearsal Facility. 
We'd really love for you to come there. Hit our website for tickets or any of our social media platforms. You can find that information, www.mxu.rocks. Again, thanks everybody for liking, subscribing, and rating the podcast. That's exactly how this podcast climbs the charts. It's because of your ratings and reviews. So share away and rate and review, and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody.